The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. Welcome to the Something Patriots podcast presented by RWJ Barnabas Health, a podcast where we talk a little something about the Somerset Patriots. Game over! Series over! 27 up! And 27 down for Teasley. The Patriots are your 2015 Atlantic League champions. Patriots win another Atlantic League title. Warning track wall. Good. Home run for Corey Aldridge. His third blast of the game. It's a walk-off grand slam. It is gone. Ball game over. Series over. And Patriots are the 2008 Atlantic League champions. On 1450 WCTC, WCTCAM.com, and where podcasts are available. A pleasant hello and welcome to another episode of the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz. Thank you so much for tuning in, uh, whether it be on the Voice of Central Jersey 1450 WCTC or on any of the many podcast streaming platforms uh, that carry this show. On this week's episode, we get ready for the final week of action in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series, which is already wild to say. Uh, That means that we will look back at the Patriots' Week 5 sweep and what has worked so well for the team over their current four-game win streak. And we'll also preview the final three games coming up this weekend and discuss what the New Jersey Blasters need to do to salvage their season. Plus... We have our final updated power rankings for both the Sparky Lyle and Willie Randolph Awards and a conversation with one of the Willie Randolph Award frontrunners, Somerset Patriots outfielder Shane Fontana. All right, let's get things started. What's going on, fans? We're back! So to start today's show, I want to revisit the Brandon Liebrand story one more time. So on Tuesday the 18th, so the day before the taping of this show, Liebrand was officially called up to the majors by the Miami Marlins. So, so cool. Uh, His contract was selected by the Major League Club a mere 12 days after his contract was originally purchased by the Marlins from the Somerset Patriots and only 17 days since the last time that he pitched at TD Bank Ballpark. Now think about that for a second. That is less than three weeks ago. Lee Brandt was the starting pitcher for the New Jersey Blasters in front of a 500-fan, socially distanced TD Bank Ballpark uh, right here in Bridgewater. Now, the Southpaw is fulfilling a lifelong dream and is set to make his Major League Baseball debut Uh, He's currently pitching against the New York Mets. Well, his team, I should say, is playing against the New York Mets. He did not appear in the game uh, when he was called up on Tuesday. Uh, There's a chance that he could appear in the game 
tonight, which is Wednesday, the day before uh, the, this podcast airs. Uh, so we'll keep our eyes on that. But uh, it's just such an incredible story for Liebrandt. Uh, it reminds me a bit, honestly, of Tyler Cloyd with the Somerset Patriots back in 2017. That year, Cloyd carried a 1.50 ERA uh, over three starts with the Patriots before his contract was purchased by the Seattle Mariners in early May. Uh, so there are some parallels there because Liebrandt made three appearances with the New Jersey Blasters and had a 0.75 ERA uh, before his contract was purchased. But back to Cloyd, just 27 days after Cloyd made his last start for the Patriots in 2017, Cloyd was then called up to the majors and made a relief appearance with the Seattle Mariners. So for Cloyd in 2017, it was 27 days uh, between his last appearance at TD Bank Ballpark and his appearance with the Seattle Mariners at the major league level. Now, it was 17 days this year for Lee Brandt between his last appearance with the Blasters and his call-up, and we'll see when Lee Brandt officially makes his major league baseball debut in a game. Um, but either way, it's so exciting. Um, it's just it's so cool for everyone that's involved with the story. Now, of course, this is a completely different situation currently um, with the current state of Major League Baseball and the country as a whole amidst the COVID-19 pandemic uh, compared to Cloyd's situation. Uh, and Lee Brandt never technically pitched for the Somerset Patriots or pitched in an official Atlantic League sanctioned season. Uh, but either way, as we mentioned on last week's pod, all of us here in Somerset are so, so happy for Brandon. Uh, his journey has been remarkable, uh, and it has helped lend more legitimacy to what all of us are doing uh, in this series, uh, which is mainly to give high, to give highly talented players an opportunity to showcase what they've got and hopefully lead them to opportunities to continue uh, their own professional career. Um, all right, so now uh, on to the current Somerset Professional Baseball Series, a series that now has the Somerset Patriots up six games to four after their second straight weekend sweep over the New Jersey Blasters. So what happened last week, and, and how does that set all of us up moving forward? Uh, we'll, we'll start with Friday night's game. It was David Kubiak's best start so far of the series. Kubiak went three strong innings, uh, he allowed just one hit, no runs, one walk, and three strikeouts. Now, it certainly wasn't one of the longer outings for Kubiak. I'm sure a lot of Patriots fans would like to see Kubiak go four or, you know, ideally five innings. But he did go three, and they were three scoreless frames, which is a big step in the right direction for Kubiak. Of course, the series ends this week, so you know there isn't a lot more time for him to show off how much he's improved since the beginning of this series, but still very good to see um, for Kubiak putting together a strong start, especially considering the Patriots are one win away now uh, from clinching the Joe Torre Championship trophy. Uh, so we'll see Kubiak pitch at least one more time this upcoming weekend. We'll get into those probables uh, a little bit later in the show. But on Friday night's game, Kubiak, three scoreless, uh, to be the starting pitcher for the Patriots. And then Max Herman came on right after him. Two and two-thirds scoreless innings for the lefty Herman. Uh, he did allow three hits. He did allow two walks, but he kept the blasters off the scoreboard. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, Max Herman has tossed eight and one-third consecutive innings without allowing a run, which is the longest consecutive scoreless inning streak of any pitcher in this series. And 
Herman now has the lowest qualified earned run average in the entire Somerset Professional Baseball Series at 0.75. Uh, so Herman has quietly become one of the top pitchers so far in this series. That was on display again on Friday night. Meanwhile, the Patriots did take an early one nothing lead in the bottom of the second inning on a two-out RBI single from Sean Guida. Um, Vin Mazzaro was on the mound for the Blasters. He pitched well, but New Jersey fell behind early, and with the combination of Kubiak and Herman pitching well, uh, the Blasters weren't able to scratch together a run. Now, that doesn't mean that they didn't have opportunities. In fact, the Blasters had their leadoff man reach base in each inning between the second and seventh. So they went down one, two, three in the first, but the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh innings, each time the Blasters had their leadoff man reach. So odds are percentages normally show that when you have a leadoff man reach, uh, chances are pretty high that he's going to come around to score. Uh, But the Blasters had a number of missed opportunities. None so highlighted more probably than their opportunity in the top of the sixth inning. At the time, they were just trailing one to nothing. They got a leadoff walk for their leadoff man, Liam MacArthur. Uh, Luis Roman flew out to right field. Martin Figueroa flew out to the warning track in center field. And then after that point, Herman was taken out of the ballgame and Billy Lane Jr. came on for a righty-righty matchup against Louis Martini. Uh, Lane Jr. hit Martini with a pitch, so the Blasters had runners at first and second, an opportunity to tie up the ballgame with Derek Romberg, who's had a strong series. Romberg jumped ahead in the count 3-0 and against Billy Lane Jr., thought he had drawn ball four. Um, there was a pitch from Lane Jr. that missed outside. It would have been ball four. But right before the pitch was thrown, the umpire along the bases, Warren Nicholson, apparently asked for time because he thought that the home plate umpire, Fred DeJesus, had asked for time. Uh, so the pitch was nullified. And then after a conversation with Romberg and even Zach Rakusen, who was in the on-deck circle for the Blasters, uh, both of whom were not too happy with that call, Romberg was at the plate up 3-0 in the count, and then he swung away on a changeup from Lane Jr. and grounded out to second base, and the inning was over, and a big missed opportunity uh, at that point for the Blasters. And, uh, you know, of course, with all the conversations in Major League Baseball right now about swinging 3-0, this was certainly a different situation because the Blasters were trailing, uh, but I would have liked to see Romberg maybe take a strike at that point and set up an opportunity where Rakusen could have brought home a tying run or potentially even a go-ahead run as the very next um, batter due up. Either way, the Blasters failed to capitalize, and then the Patriots would add two more runs in the bottom of the sixth. Vin Mazzaro was still on the mound for New Jersey in that bottom of the sixth. In fact, Mazzaro Friday night became the first pitcher in this series to toss a complete game. He was the first pitcher to even work six innings in a single start. Um, That because he had retired at one point 10 consecutive Patriots batters leading into the sixth inning. Uh, But Mazzaro wasn't helped out by his defense. The first batter of that inning, Justin Pacioli, he reached on a fielding error by the Blasters shortstop, Louis Martini. Shane Fontana then brought Pacioli home with an RBI single after Patch had stolen second. And then later in the inning, Adam Trecarico, RBI single. Both runs were unearned against Mazzaro, who only allowed one earned run over six innings, no walks and six strikeouts. But that was more than enough for the Patriots to separate themselves. The Blasters did scratch together a run in the top of the seventh, but ultimately Somerset won Friday night's ballgame. And then Saturday night was pretty much all Somerset from the get-go. The Blasters did jump out to an early 2-0 lead in the top of the first inning. A couple of unearned runs against Mark Leiter Jr. Liam MacArthur reached on an E5 to begin the ballgame. 
Martin Figueroa had an RBI double in the first. A run scoring ground out from Tommy McCarthy also gave the Blasters a 2-0 lead. But after that point, Leiter Jr. settled down quite nicely. He allowed just two base runners to reach safely over his next four innings. He finished with a season-high seven strikeouts. There were seven scouts in attendance uh, for Saturday night's ballgame, which was really cool to see. So it was a high-pressure situation for Leiter Jr. He had his father, Mark Leiter Sr., in attendance. His uncle, Al Leiter, was in attendance as well. Um, And he was able to, you know, he was certainly up for the task, uh, going five strong, striking out seven, not allowing an earned run. Meanwhile, uh, the Patriots' bats, they went to work. It was their most productive game so far in the season. Alex Vargas was on the mound for the Blasters, and he allowed two runs, or rather three runs, in the bottom of the second inning uh, on a bases-loaded walk, a run-scoring fielder's choice and a sacrifice fly. Um, And then in the third inning, Vargas allowed a couple of more runs, uh, those coming home on a Shane Fontana RBI triple and another sacrifice fly. Then Vargas left after three innings in which he allowed five runs. Alex Katz came on to make his Blasters debut. Katz still a member of the Kansas City Royals organization, one of two members um, of this series that remain uh, a part of an affiliated rank. Uh, But Katz struggled in his Blasters debut He allowed a couple of runs in the fourth inning, RBI singles from Jordan Jackson and Scott Kelly. It's certainly good to see Scott break up his uh, his 0-for streak with that RBI single in the fourth inning on Saturday night. And all of a sudden, the Patriots were leading 7-2 through four innings. It was the most runs they've scored in a game so far in this series. Uh, They had six hits total in the game. That was tied for the most hits they've had in a game so far. So a very strong offensive performance for the Patriots, and it really was spread out across the board. There was not one player that had multiple hits in the game, but still seven runs total, a very balanced effort offensively for the Patriots. The Blasters did get a couple of runs again late in the ballgame against uh, Somerset's bullpen. They got a run against Taylor Wright in the sixth, a run against Nate Rowe in the seventh, but still uh, at that point, they just didn't have enough firepower. Mark Leiter Jr. had really shut them down after the first inning, and the Patriots won the ball game seven to four. So the big takeaway from this past weekend, the Patriots have now scored at least three runs in each of their last four games over this current four-game win streak. That is massively important. We talked a lot at the beginning of this series about the Patriots' struggles offensively. When the Blasters still had Brandon Liebrand and they had Mazzara going Friday night, Liebrand going Saturday night, uh, there weren't many chances for the Patriots to get things going offensively, especially when when you consider also how strong of a start to the series it was for Ryan Williamson out of the pen. But since Liebrand's contract has been purchased and the bullpen for the Blasters has been shuffled around a little bit, and on top of all that, probably... Arguably, what's most important, the addition of Shane Fontana and Connor Justice to the Somerset Patriots lineup, uh, this Patriots team has played like a different team. I mean, just look at the combination of Fontana and Justice. Since they joined the team prior to week three, over their six games combined, they are 12 for 30 from the plate. Four extra base hits, four stolen bases, six runs scored, six runs batted in, six walks as well. Um, And each of those players playing in six games, and by the way, both Fontana and Justice have reached base safely in each of their six games so far. Uh, So that combination has been massively important. That's been the majority of the offense for the Patriots. Those two have really been the catalysts, and they are a very big reason why Somerset has won four straight games and now find themselves in the driver's seat 
for the Joe Torre Championship Trophy. Uh, so, with that said, now the Patriots are only one win away from that championship trophy. Uh, we've got three games coming up this weekend, and after this break, I'll go over how the Patriots can find a way to take home the league's top prize. They just need one more win. And I'll also discuss what the New Jersey Blasters need to do to win three straight games this weekend and pull off the huge upset. You no longer have to choose between an amazing network and an amazing price. When you switch to T-Mobile, you get both. Visit a T-Mobile store or tmobile.com to find out more. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide healthcare services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with eight locations on Routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Again, my name is Mark Schwartz. All right, let's look at the storylines for week six, the final week of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. To start off, it's important to recognize who the probables are for each of these teams over these final three games. So on Thursday night, so right after the airing of this show, uh, Ryan Williamson will take the mound for the New Jersey Blasters. He'll be making his first start as a Blaster. He'll be going up against Max Herman for the Somerset Patriots. So the two spot starters are going to be both used on Thursday night in the first of this three-game weekend set. Friday, we'll have our traditional Friday night matchup between Vin Mazzaro and David Kubiak. And on Saturday, Alex Vargas will make his third start of the series for the Blasters, and he'll go up against Mark Leiter Jr. So again, Thursday is Ryan Williamson versus Max Herman. Friday, Vin Mazzaro versus David Kubiak. Saturday, Alex Vargas versus Mark Leiter Jr. And there's enough storylines just within those pitching matchups to begin with. Uh, but we'll start with the Patriots. What do the Patriots need to do? Well, uh, the first storyline is obvious. They need to win one more game. That's all they need to do. If they win one of the three weekend games coming up, they will take home the Joe Torre Championship Trophy. They will be the winners of the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. So if you're the Patriots, take care of business on Thursday night and you don't have to worry about the other nights. This team is already riding a lot of momentum. They've won four straight games, so if they ride that out into a Thursday night victory, then the rest of the weekend's going to be smooth sailing for the Patriots. They will have already clinched the series. But past that, some of the other storylines that I'm following, how long is the leash going to be 
on Max Herman this Thursday night. The longest he's gotten in a game so far was four innings. That was in his lone start back on August 9th. He did toss four shutout innings that night. Uh, it looked like he might be taken out after the third, but he stayed on for the fourth. He did struggle a little bit with the walks. He's now walked seven batters. Uh, so how long is the leash for Herman? And along those lines, what's the bullpen going to look like for the Patriots with no Max Herman in there? I mean, not only just for Thursday night, but throughout the course of the rest of the weekend. David Kubiak is scheduled to be the starting pitcher for the Patriots on Friday night. And normally, Herman's been the guy that comes in right after Kubiak to come in for a long relief appearance. But that no longer is going to be an option because Herman's the Thursday night starting pitcher. So with Herman on Thursday, does that mean that Kubiak gets extended past three innings of work on Friday? He hasn't had a lot of success when he's gone past three innings. He's only gone past three innings once, and he got hit hard in that fourth inning a couple of starts ago. Uh, So Kubiak needs to continue to improve on the three shutout innings he had this past weekend and probably has to go four innings or maybe even five innings for the Patriots in his start Friday night because Herman's not going to be available as a long reliever, and the options for the Patriots after that point are somewhat limited. Uh, Billy Lane Jr. is pretty much the long reliever for this team with Herman being the starter on Thursday, but you might need Billy Lane Jr. to pitch Thursday night uh, if Herman uh, doesn't have a very long leash, or if Kubiak doesn't have a long leash, then you might need Lane Jr. on Friday night. Uh, on Saturday, Michael Ida Jr. Uh, can likely go a number of innings. So I think Thursday and Friday are going to be the two interesting games to watch in regards to how Brett Jody is going to manage his bullpen, who the first guy out of the pen is going to be. Nate Rowe does have an ability to go multiple innings. James Puglise has an ability to go multiple innings as well, but Puglise has been the team's closer, and I- I'm sure they would want James to be available to close out games, especially if the series is on the line. So it'll be very interesting to follow that uh, from a pitching perspective. And then, of course, once you get to Saturday, Mark Leiter Jr. has shown that he could easily go five. He could probably go more than that if needed. Uh, So I don't think Saturday is as big of a concern for the Patriots right now. Uh, Offensively, the bats need to keep the pressure on. Mentioned it during the last break, uh, but Somerset has now scored three or more runs in four straight games. Equating to this four-game win streak, it's certainly not a coincidence. Uh, Shane Fontana, Dan Valerio, Connor Justice, those have been the main catalysts. I would look to see them continue their production at the plate, and if they're able to do so, then Somerset should be just fine. Uh, they need to keep the pressure on the bases as well. They stole four bases on Saturday. Uh, both teams have been pretty successful in the stolen base department. Um, and Somerset has a lot of you know really strong base runners. So if they're able to get on base and remain aggressive, um, then that certainly puts the Blasters in a difficult position. And then the last one for Somerset, uh, you, you can keep the pressure on, but you should also be patient at the plate. Uh, last Saturday, uh, the Somerset Patriots drew a season-high seven walks. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the game that they draw seven walks is the game that they also plate the most runs that they have so far in this series because there's just more opportunities. And with their ability to steal bases, if you're drawing walks and you're patient at the plate um, and then you're stealing bases once you get aboard, there's going to be a lot of pressure on this Blasters pitching staff uh, to come through in some high leverage situations. Uh, So the Patriots need to keep the pressure on the Blasters, but that doesn't mean that they can't be patient at the plate uh, because for a team that doesn't have a lot of pop, uh, getting base runners aboard and then playing small ball is is the way that Somerset's going to win some ball games moving forward. Uh, For the Blasters, uh, again, the storylines, they start on the pitching end of things. Number one, Ryan Williamson goes on Thursday night. Now, the Blasters need to sweep this weekend in order to pull off the ups that they have no 
wiggle room. There's no room for error for New Jersey. Now, with Williamson going on Thursday, he's arguably been one of, if not the best pitcher so far in this series, but he's been used exclusively as a reliever. His longest relief appearances was two innings, and that came in his third appearance back on July 24th. So it's been a while since Williamson has gone at least two. Now, for a Blasters team that probably has even more question marks in their bullpen than Somerset does, I would imagine that Williamson, at a bare minimum, needs to go three innings on Thursday. And ideally for New Jersey, he probably needs to go four, quite honestly, if the Blasters want to have an opportunity to win this series. Of course, they need to win Thursday night, and Williamson has the stuff to get them off to a good start. Uh, But then you got to see about how the bullpen gets managed the rest of the way. And even on Thursday night, if Williamson can only go three, then you're going to probably need a combination of Sean Kaselica and Alex Katz uh, to go multiple innings for you. Uh, Kaselica has the ability, but he's struggled with his command, and that has forced him to only work one inning in his relief appearances, though he certainly has the ability to go multiple. Uh, Katz can go multiple as well. One of those guys is going to have to eat some innings uh, for the Blasters, especially Thursday night. I think the idea for John Hunton is to allow Vin Mazzaro to probably pitch a complete game or as, pitch as long as he physically can on Friday night to help save the bullpen as well. Because if you need to stretch out Kaselika or Katz on Thursday night, then you could ideally give him a break, assuming that Mazzaro can toss a complete game on Friday, which is what he did last Friday. And then, theoretically, Kaselika and Katz would both be available then uh, to pitch on a Saturday night as well. So Mazzaro pretty much needs to throw a complete game for the Blasters Friday night uh, to help salvage this bullpen. And then once we get to Saturday, in regards to pitching... Alex Vargas, simply, he needs to cut down on his walks. He has issued 10 free passes over 12 and two-thirds innings to this point. Uh, He has the ability to go deeper in games, but he needs to cut down on the walks to allow his innings to be more efficient so that he can go longer and then help out this short-staffed Blasters bullpen. If Vargas can go at least four innings on Saturday, ideally, if he could go five, I'm not sure if he can do that, Uh, but if he could go at least four then that'll at least give the Blasters an opportunity uh, to mix and match their bullpen pieces on Saturday night and hopefully for New Jersey fans, get them across the finish line. But a lot needs to happen uh, for us to even get to a Saturday night where the Blasters would have an opportunity um, to win and potentially win the series. Offensively, quickly for the Blasters, they need to get guys on base in front of their middle of the order. Liam MacArthur and Luis Roman, who have been batting first and second in the lineup, they need to get on base to provide more RBI opportunities for the middle of the order. Uh, Martin Figueroa had another strong weekend. He's been raking. Louis Martini has now gone five straight games without a run batted in. He had five RBI over his first five games. Uh, so the opportunities haven't been there as much for Martini, but uh, you know those are two guys that the Blasters have really depended on uh, to bring home runs. Zachary Husen's been heating up a bit as of late, uh, and he's had little RBI opportunities. So if guys can get on base in front of Rakusen, Figueroa, and Martini, uh, then there should be some opportunities for those guys to come through and get some big hits for the Blasters. Uh, New Jersey also needs to stay aggressive along the base path, similar to the Patriots. The Blasters, surprisingly, they stole five bases last Saturday night. That's the most that they've stolen in a game so far in this series. Uh, So they've had some success. Jordan Jackson has really struggled behind home plate, throwing out base runners. Uh, Matt O'Neill hasn't done as well either. Uh, So there are opportunities for New Jersey once they get on base to try to steal some bases, apply some pressure, 
and, and put together rallies that way. I mean, it's another team that doesn't have a lot of pop. Uh, they have not yet hit a home run over the first 10 games of this series. Those are the storylines, but of course, you know, it all comes down to whether or not the Patriots can take one of three this weekend. That's all they need to do. Uh, they were at one point trailing in the series four games to two, uh, and they needed to win five of their last seven to win the series. Well, since that point, they've won four straight. Uh, so that means they only need to win one. Um, certainly, the odds are in favor of Somerset to take one of these weekend games. Um, you know, there's certainly a chance with. Ryan Williamson pitching Thursday and Vin Mazzaro pitching Friday for the Blasters that we can have two very strong and competitive games. Uh, but I think that at this point, Somerset does hold the trump card on Saturday uh, with Mark Leiter Jr. going up against Alex Vargas. And I think that the Patriots feel, feel pretty confident that even if the series gets to that point Saturday night, uh, that they have the advantage when it comes to starting pitching um, to sort of bring home this entire series. Uh, now, Back to the power rankings, which I know a lot of people have enjoyed so far. Uh, we'll start with the Sparky Lyle Award. Now, there were some favorites that have been announced on the Somerset Patriots social media platforms lately, and those kind of go along the lines of where I have for my power rankings, but I still have six for each. Um, so to start off from a pitching perspective, the Sparky Lyle Award, Billy Lane Jr. comes in at number six for me. Uh, he drops one spot. He only tossed a third of an inning this past weekend, um, and... Uh, did not allow a run. He did hit a batter and was able to get out of a jam. Uh, so his ERA has dipped a bit, but he still comes in at number six for me. And number five is James Puglis. He did pitch. He did get a save, but he did allow a run, his first run of the series. Uh, but Puglis falling in the standings is more representative of a couple of other guys moving up. Namely, at number four, I've got Max Herman, uh, who's now 1-0. He leads the series with a 0.75 ERA. He has tossed eight and a third innings consecutively without allowing a run. Herman's pitched really well, and if he goes out on Thursday night and potentially gets a win and puts together a really strong performance, he is sort of a dark horse to sneak his way uh, up to the top spot in the Sparky Lyle Awards, uh, which is really remarkable because he's came out of relatively nowhere over the last couple of weeks to move up the rankings. I have him at number four. At number three, I've dropped Ryan Williamson down a couple of spots. Uh, Williamson has still to me, been arguably the most impressive pitcher so far in this series. Uh, but to be frank, uh, the impact that he's made lately and specifically over this last weekend wasn't that great. He made just one relief appearance. And with a couple of other starting pitchers that have had larger impacts on games, I've had to bump Williamson down. But still, he's 2-0. He's the only pitcher so far um, that has two wins and a save a 2.45 ERA, and the strikeout numbers are still gaudy. 15 strikeouts over just seven and a third innings. He's only allowed three base runners to reach safely, one hit and two walks. So he's been very impressive. But just the impact hasn't been as strong, uh, especially over this last weekend. At number two, I've got Mark Leiter Jr. He's up two spots from last week. Uh, very strong Saturday night start. Five innings did not allow an earned run. Uh, he did strike out a season high seven. And for me, it's sort of one and one A for the top two spots in the Sparky Lyle Award. I think it's going to really come down to which team uh, walks away with the championship. I've got Vin Mazzaro at, at number one uh, because he has just, in my mind, been slightly better than Mark Leiter Jr. He tossed six innings this past weekend. But the numbers are comparable between the two. Both pitchers are 1-1. One and one. Mazzaro's thrown 23 innings. Mark Leiter Jr.'s thrown 24. Mazzaro's got 25 strikeouts. Leiter Jr.'s got 26. Uh, but for me, the difference, Mazzaro has only allowed five walks. 
Leiter Jr. has allowed nine. Leiter Jr.'s ERA is slightly lower, uh, but Mazzaro's been in a couple of positions to win games, and his bullpen hasn't carried it over for him. Um, so Vin Mazzaro is, has my slight edge right now, but again, if the Patriots wind up winning this series and Mark Leiter Jr. has a strong start on Saturday, um, it would be very conceivable to see Leiter Jr. leapfrog Mazzaro for the Sparky Lyle Award. In regards to position players in the Willie Randolph MVP Award, at number six, Joey Rose drops a couple of spots, but he stays in my rankings just slightly higher than uh, Zach Rackusen, who's number seven for me. So sort of an honorable mention receiving votes for this power ranking. Uh, Rose still has the only home run of the series, um, and he had an RBI this past weekend, his fifth run batted end of the series. So he's now tied with Louis Martini for the series lead. Uh, he's also got five runs scored, uh, but what hurts Joey is his batting average stands at currently just 231. At number five, Connor Justice makes his first appearance in the power rankings. Uh, Justice has quietly been very strong for Somerset since joining the team prior to week three. A lot of the fanfare has been directed towards Shane Fontana, but Justice has reached base safely in each of his six games. He has a 333 batting average, uh, three doubles, five hits total. He's got three runs scored, three runs batted in, a 444 on base percentage. Uh, Justice has only played in six games, so that's why he's lower than you know the next couple of guys. But still, he's made his himself quite an impact, um, and he is now on the power rankings. At number four, I've got Louis Martini. He drops a couple of spots. Uh, I mentioned just before, he's gone now five games without a run batted in, but uh, still very strong numbers for Louis. A 259 batting average, but uh, seven hits. He's got three extra base hits, including a triple. Uh, five runs batted in, tied for the series lead. He's drawn seven walks that leads the Blasters. Still has a 444 on base percentage, which is one of the best in the entire series. So Martini comes in at four. For me at number three, Dan Valerio holds strong there. It was another strong weekend for Valerio in week five. A 316 batting average, uh, 440 on base percentage. He leads the series with six stolen bases. Very consistent bat uh, in the heart of the Patriots order. He's come through in some big opportunities. So I've got Valerio at number three. And number two is Shane Fontana. Uh, he was number six last week. He jumps four spots this week. I still have the edge to Martin Figueroa over Shane Fontana, though Fontana's numbers are remarkable. A 467 batting average over his six games, a 579 on base percentage. That in addition to three runs, three RBI, four walks, three stolen bases. Um, and he's one of, if not the main reason why the Patriots have won four straight games. He has been uh, a very big addition. But I still have Martin Figueroa above him. Uh, reason being, Figueroa's played one more week than Fontana has. Uh, and Figueroa's numbers are still really strong. He's a qualified batter. He has the plate appearances to qualify. Fontana does not. Uh, Martin hitting 348, which is the highest qualified batting average in the league. Uh, he had another strong weekend. Uh, he's got eight hits. That's tied for most in the series. Six runs scored, four RBI, six walks, a 483 on base percentage, um, four doubles that leads the series. So, and in my opinion, uh, when Figueroa is at the plate, he's still the most dangerous batter um, in this entire series. So slight edge right now for Martin Figueroa, but again, similar to the Sparky Lyle Award, if the Patriots win this series, um, then I could see it very easily a, a situation where Fontana jumps Figueroa and takes home the Willie Randolph Award as well. All right, those are our power rankings. Um, we will find out if they hold true, if they are accurate compared to where the league officials stand 
on who should win these awards. And we're going to find that out very soon. In fact, the awards are already in the building, uh, which is exciting. They're very cool looking. Um, and we will hand them out at some point this weekend, along, of course, with the Joe Torre Championship Trophy. Uh, but after this next break, I'm going to have a conversation with one of those award frontrunners and one of the main reasons why the Patriots are in the driver's seat right now. Uh, outfielder Shane Fontana joins us after this break. Whatever this season brings, you'll be there for the Patriots and TD Bank will be there for you. Bank 24-7, online or on the TD app. Or talk to a human by phone anytime. TD Bank, unexpectedly human. Visit tdbank.com. TD Bank, America's most convenient bank. Member FDIC, TD Bank, N.A. The Something Patriots podcast is also presented by Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey. Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey is making it easier to see a doctor from home and cutting your costs so you can get the care you need. Here for you now and always. Learn more at horizonblue.com slash always. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide health care services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. My name is Mark Schwartz, and I have the pleasure now of being joined alongside uh, really one of the upstart star players in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. He's the outfielder for the Somerset Patriots. It's Shane Fontana. How's it going, Shane? Good. How are you? How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Thanks for taking some time. Um, I guess just to start off, you've obviously been playing um, really well so far in this series. It's almost over, which is crazy. Um, but I just, how's everything going for you? How, how's this whole experience been? Uh, it's been great. Um, like you said, I mean, it's already over. It's gone way, gone by pretty fast. So, um, for me, it's just been out, out there on the field working on some stuff I've been working on since the off season or since the COVID season, I guess you'd call it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, just going out there and playing hard every weekend. A lot of our fans that might not know, um, you were a 23rd round draft pick by the Baltimore Orioles, uh, last year. Um, so still pretty new to the organization. Um, still a member of the organization. Um, I'm, I'm curious what this offseason was like for you. Um, one year removed from professional baseball and, and then for all of the, you know, the pandemic to happen. Um, how, how was that whole transition for you? And then I guess, Eventually, how did you get in touch with Hunton, and, and this became an opportunity for you? For me, since the COVID happened, I was wasn't sure, wasn't too sure what like what was going to happen during the off season. I mean, the Orioles were staying in contact with me. Um, they were trying to get us to stay in shape and work out and do what we can by lifting at home, even if we didn't have weights and stuff like that. And then I got in contact through. Um, the the play for the Patriots and Blasters with uh, Steve Callister actually oh. he um 
he mentioned uh, that they were putting together a team, and then he put me in touch with John. Very cool. That's all. I didn't realize that you had the uh, that the Steve Califer connection. How, how did that come about? Uh, I was actually uh, car shopping, and um, <laughs> and um, my dad knew him, and mentioned I played baseball, and then it just got off like that. I was glad it happened though, like that. Nice. What, what car did you get? <laughs> I ended up getting the Tacoma. Oh, there you nice go. Tacoma. Yep. There's a, that's a classic. Very cool. Um, so for somebody who's been in your position that you know remains in the Baltimore Orioles organization but has been playing in this series, ha- have you been in contact with the Orioles at all, like throughout the series on on things that you should work on, or have there been limits on the on the way that you're used or played that gets communicated to Brett? How, how's that whole partnership gone? So. When I started, they just wanted to make sure, like, I wasn't just jumping right into it. They wanted to make sure that, like, I was actually doing stuff on my own before I started playing with you guys. And, I mean, I was. I was working out. I was hitting. um, was doing some running. But, like, I wasn't doing, like, too much stuff. But, like, I was doing enough to get me going and playing again. And um, the Orioles, uh, they've been in contact with me. They worked with me. With getting the uh, the being able to play, making sure it was all cleared and nothing was interfering, and um, yeah, and they just got it going. And I just took the COVID test and passed the physicals, and I was out in the field. So you joined the Patriots um, after the third week. Um, I'm not sure if this was a part of the conversation at all, but I remember when we first announced the rosters that you were actually going to be a blaster and not a Patriot. Um, and then, uh, you know, entering week three, we were announced that, uh, you were coming in and that you were going to be on the Patriots. Um, uh, was that something that was relayed to you at all, or were you just coming um, here ready to play? Well, I was planning on playing those first weeks, those first couple weeks of games, but, um, I'm working full time actually. So okay. it was interfering with my schedule to take the COVID test. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get off in time until the third weekend, so. That's why things happened a little later, and I guess the rosters got changed. I'm not really sure what happened too much, but I did see that I was was with the Ross, uh, the Blasters before, and then right. uh, with the Patriots. Well, look, it's uh, it's worked out pretty well for you so far. I mean, granted, you didn't start playing in this series until week three, but um, I mean, your numbers—you're seven for fifteen from the plate, uh, three runs scored, three runs batted in. Um, you got a five seventy nine on base percentage, three stolen bases as well. Um, has it been a difficult transition for you to get back on the field after not having, you know, seen live pitching for a while? Because it, it seems like you've, it's been pretty seamless for you so far. It wasn't too difficult. I mean, I was, when I went in the spring training, I was like, I was ready to go after the off season between like working out and stuff. But, um, I mean, yeah, I had like four or five months off and then jumping right into pitching, uh, I don't know, it didn't seem like a, thing that bothered me that's why I'm not really bothered by like live pitching and jumping right into it too much but um I don't know I was just ready to go like I said like I was doing things to keep me ready to go out in the field and and I guess yes yeah, I was just ready to play can you talk a little bit about what the level of competition has been like in this league like I, I've talked to some people and um on this podcast previously and everyone talks about you know the, the, these might be, you know, guys that not might not be too well known, at least to 
Somerset Patriot fans, but the level of talent in this league is, is really high, um, especially pitching. And even, you know, the pitching that you've been going against for the Blasters, Ben Mazzaro's got major league experience. There's a number of guys with AAA, AA. Um, what, what's it been like for you going up against this um, level of talent in this league? Uh, I see the level of talent is pretty similar to what I've been playing in. Um, the only thing that might be a little different is, like, the velo and pitching, but there's still some guys. I don't know if I faced everyone yet, but I know there's still some guys that were still throwing uh, mid-90s for velo. So, I mean, that was only the thing, but everyone's still, like, the pitching is pretty accurate to what I was playing, these guys aren't, they're not walking a bunch of people, they're hitting their spots, they're throwing off-speed pitches for strikes, so they're out there pitching their butts off for us. I know there's a lot of guys in this um, in this series that take a lot of pride in being from New Jersey. Um, you're certainly one of them, played your high school ball in North Hunterdon. Um, even your collegiate career, you started off at Kane, um, then went to the County College of Morris. Uh, which is actually really close to where I currently live, <laughs> um, and then eventually made your way over to, to Lynn University as well. Um, are, are you one of those guys also that takes a lot of pride in, in being from New Jersey and, and the level of talent in baseball that this state has produced? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, not too much, but, yeah, I definitely like being from New Jersey and showing what I have and compared to all the other guys from around the country, so. Definitely a little bit of pride there. Well, was it difficult at all navigating that, you know, bouncing around between three different schools when you were um, trying to find your grounding collegiately, like starting at Kane and, and then going to CCM and then eventually Lynn? Was, how was that process for you? Um, so for me, it was all about just basically a time management thing between school and baseball. I had to learn how to um, – use my time on the field wisely in practice and right back to it at the classroom. So that's where uh, I learned my lesson from Kane. And then, but when I went to County College of Morris, I knew what I had to do to be a student athlete and get my degree and everything and still be able to play baseball at a high level. Um, and then you were drafted uh, last year out of Lynn, um, played in the Orioles organization and had a lot of success breaking in, I mean, split over 51 games between, you know, the Gulf Coast League, Low A, Aberdeen, Single A, Delmarva. Um, you hit 275, a couple of home runs, 19 RBI, 15 stolen bases over those games as well between the three stops. Um, breaking into professional baseball, having your first year and having a good amount of success, um, how did that feel for you? Did it give you a lot of confidence moving forward? Was it what you expected? Were there some unexpected things that came along with it? What was that like for you? Um, first year for me, uh, it was like up and down, I would say mentally. Uh, I would have times where I was feeling real good and times I was feeling real low, being away from home and stuff. Um, but, you know, you just got to like brush it off and you got to go out there. And even the days like I didn't want to be there sometimes, like I went out there and I practiced and I played because I had to, but um, it was just a little, like, just like battling, I guess you'd say, just trying to do your best and show what you have. I mean, I was there for a reason, so I just had to mm. prove I could be there and play with those guys. How difficult was it to, you know, to have those ups and downs in that first professional year and then, 
hit the off-season training program and, and get ready for everything, get ready for spring training, and then and then for COVID to hit and everything to basically just be put on pause. How hard was that for you? Yeah, I mean, uh, coming out of last season, the um, I was totally focused on getting ready and coming back like real strong and healthy for the next season and uh, showing what improvements I made in the off season. And I was hoping to see them on the field uh, earlier this year, but uh, yeah, I mean, after working hard, it was kind of a step down, and then not being able to like. Like after, like um, in the off season, putting on like some extra muscle and cutting down a little bit and looking a little bit more lean compared to how I finished the last season. And then I don't know, it, does, it was a little set down, but it, it wasn't the end because I mean, there's still a way to make it back on the field like I like I did right now. And it's nice to see the work that I've put in show right now too. So. Yeah, well, look, it's all worked out well, um, and, and you've been having a really good series so far uh, here in Somerset playing for the Patriots. Um, I, I'm curious, when you were growing up, and I, I only have a couple more questions for you, but um, when, when you were growing up, um, did you know anything about the Patriots? Did you ever attend a game as a kid? Or, or I mean, North Hunterdon, you guys might have even played here. I'm not sure. Were you familiar with us? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been to a handful of games when I was younger. Um, actually I have some old pictures of me on the Patriots field from, uh, from like little league days, taking some pictures with some players and stuff and being out in the field and having catch and stuff. But, uh, nice. yeah, that's familiar. I've been, I've been to games when I was younger and, uh, yeah, I know a little bit of all the success that they've had over the years. So, so has it been a weird experience to have been on this field as a little leaguer and now, you know, granted, you're still a member of the Orioles organization, but to be playing professional baseball on this same field that you used to be on as a kid, is it, what's that like? Um, it's a pretty neat feeling because, like, as a kid, you're you're thinking about, um, oh, I wanna I wanna one day play on this field like the other players that were there playing on the field, and uh, it's actually funny too because um, in Aberdeen, I played on that field too when I was a Little leaguer when oh, I was nice. younger. Yeah, so I got to play on that field too. That's a Ripken a league. Kid and then as a professional player. Is that that's a Ripken um, old yeah, ballpark yeah, over Ripken. there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Cal Ripken tournament. Look, I'll, I'll end on this, and again, I appreciate you taking some time today. This has been it, it's been an interesting series for all of us here in Somerset. Of course, you know, with everything that's gone on in 2020, this isn't the year that we anticipated. It's not the way that we anticipated having baseball, but we've taken a lot of pride in the way that we've put this series together, that we've been able to not only have professional baseball games, but we were the first professional baseball games in New Jersey in 2020, and we've been able to do it with fans in attendance. So, you know, still, of course, you being a member of the Orioles organization, can you just speak a little bit to what this opportunity to get on the field in 2020 during all of this craziness has meant to you and, just you know what this overall experience has been like uh yeah it definitely means a lot to me i'm very grateful for the opportunity to play for the patriots right now because i know some guys aren't even playing they're not even getting as much work as i am like playing like an actual game compared to taking a couple at bats and stuff like that so i'm really grateful for the opportunity to play and and uh 
I'm just glad it's happening right now. Uh, well, Shane, again, thank you for taking the time. Um, appreciate you carving out some time today. And look, the Patriots, you guys are, are one win away from, from clinching this series. Uh, it's a Chotori championship trophy. I've seen it. It's in the ballpark. It's pretty cool. So thanks again and, uh, best of luck in this weekend's games. Yep. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Jaguar Land Rover Princeton, located on Route 206, an all-new state-of-the-art sales and service facility that will redefine your luxury car experience. See all they have to offer, along with all the processes to assure a healthy environment at jlrprinceton.com. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by NJM. At NJM, we understand the hardships you might be going through right now. That's why we're offering payment relief. We'll continue providing you protection no matter what tomorrow brings. Because dealing with uncertainties is our business. This isn't just insurance. It's NJM. The Something Patriots podcast is presented by RWJ Barnabas Health. If you've put off any medical care due to COVID-19, please don't delay it any longer. RWJ Barnabas Health has taken every precaution and continues to provide healthcare services in adherence to all public health guidance and regulatory policies. This includes stringent cleaning and disinfection throughout all facilities and screening everyone for symptoms and temperature upon entry. Learn more at rwjbh.org backslash welcome back. RWJ Barnabas Health, let's be healthy together. The Something Patriots podcast is brought to you by Flemington Car and Truck Country. After the latest executive order, Flemington Car and Truck Country is open to sell cars in their showrooms by appointment. Choose from over 16 manufacturer brands, plus over 500 available certified pre-owned vehicles with unprecedented discounted pricing and available financing for qualified buyers as low as 0%. Flemington Car and Truck Country, with eight locations on Routes 202 and 31, is following all CDC guidelines in their showrooms and on delivery to protect and assure both customers and associates. Start your search and make your appointment at Flemington.com. And welcome back to the Something Patriots podcast. Thanks to Shane Fontana, who just joined this week to discuss his time in the Somerset Professional Baseball Series. Uh, So I do have some podcast news to share. Next week's episode, which will air next Thursday, will be our last episode in Season 1 of the Something Patriots podcast. Uh, I'll do a recap of the entire Somerset Professional Baseball Series next week and provide the best primer uh, that I can to the days, weeks, and months ahead until we are back for a 2021 season. Uh, I'll go into more detail with it next week on exactly what this will look like, uh, but please know that this will not be the end of the podcast. Uh, My plan right now is to jump in with quick updates uh, and quick little episodes throughout the offseason whenever there is some uh, major breaking news to share. Uh, so be on the lookout for all of that. Uh, this is season one. Uh, we plan to do a season two, so be on the lookout. Uh, but I'll go again into more detail on all of this uh, in next week's episode. 
But for now, enjoy this one. Uh, if you're listening on 1450 WCTC, uh, what you will hear next is tonight's ballgame uh, between the Somerset Patriots and the New Jersey Blasters. If you're listening to this on a podcast platform, I hope that you enjoy this weekend's games. I hope that you enjoy your weekend, and I'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Something Patriots podcast. The Somerset Patriots would like to thank the presenting sponsor of the podcast, RWJ Barnabas Health. They would also like to thank the supporting sponsors, TD Bank and Flemington Car and Truck Country, with proud sponsorship from T-Mobile, NJM Insurance, Horizon Blue Cross Blue Shield of New Jersey, and NJIT. Other thanks go to Flemington Department Store, AARP New Jersey, Sanofi, and Financial Resources Federal Credit Union, all valued partners of the Somerset Patriots. The Something Patriots podcast airs live on the Voice of Central Jersey, 1450 WCTC and on WCTCAM.com every Thursday night from 6 to 7 p.m. With the archived versions also available for download on SomersetPatriots.com and on participating podcast platforms. The show is written, hosted, and edited by me, Mark Schwartz. It is produced by Jack Myatt, Ginny Ott, and the entire team at 1450 WCTC.